ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Time to recap the Subway Series. Both games the Yankees won on Monday and Tuesday. Sam Davis with Ryan Gregware here. Um, both 4-2 to two victories for the Yankees as I'm looking here at our Three notes. straight 4-2 victories for the Yankees. Really? Yeah, they won versus the Blue Jays. Okay, well that's, that's very interesting in and of itself. But a lot went on in this series. We were both there yesterday. A lot went on yesterday. I want to start with Monday, however, of course. You know, Scherzer... Uh, got the start for the Mets. That was a game, you know, the Mets obviously expecting to win with Scherzer on the mound. Not his best stuff, six and two-thirds. He did give up four runs. He he kept his team in the game, worked deep into the game, but, you know, really didn't uh, didn't have his best stuff for for sure. And outside of a Vogelbach home run, the Mets just got four hits off Domingo Herman, who was very good in that game. And the Yankees' pen locked things down as well in that one uh, for the opening game and for that series uh, victory to start the series and of course heading into yesterday which a lot happened um you know I want to start with you know from the Mets side of things um from the starting pitching matchup Taiwan Walker I would say looked pretty good um you know Ryan I I went over to you and as we were both keeping score it was one inning for Walker where he gave yeah. up everything where he gave up all his hits all his walks all his runs everything came from the one fourth inning Aaron Judge hits a homer he walks the bases loaded to score a run as well there other than that looked very good uh for the Mets did only go five innings but did look pretty good and 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 Definitely another start gave the Mets a chance to win, um, you know. But of course, you know, on the Yankees side of things, you have Frankie Montas, who you know really struggled in, in his first couple starts with the Yankees. Nine but ERA for three starts. Nine ERA, but yesterday looked like a completely different pitcher. Yeah, that was a huge, I think, start for his confidence and just the Yankees overall. Because you look at Jordan Montgomery, he's pitching complete game one hit shutouts, yeah. and that's the guy who. You know, you traded from your rotation, and Frankie Monzas is supposed to be your game two starter. And it's not a direct trade, but it feels no. like it is because right. you know and that Herman was the guy you gave up. Took his spot, and yeah. Herman's been very good. You want to talk yeah. about game one for a second? That was a massive pitching performance from him to shut down the Mets. But back to Frankie Montas here, that was huge, and he definitely didn't have a stuff. He got into some trouble. I believe bases loaded in the first inning. There was first and third, one out. He got a huge double play. Got a few of those on the night but for him the fastball looked lively he was able to kind of keep the Mets at bay it kind of got ruined late in the game unfortunately he couldn't come away with the win but the Yankees to build off that five and two thirds for him two runs given up that's a huge start versus a good offense I know they might be struggling a bit uh, lately that I'm sure you'll get into more but for him for the Yankees for their confidence going into that game going to that series to take both games when you definitely didn't have either pitching advantage going into them Herman versus Scherzer no way, and probably Walker you take over Montas, especially with the recent struggles. So for the Yankees to win both those games with good starting pitching, a huge building block as they look to hopefully ride the storm here and get out of the slump they've been in the last few weeks. So for the Mets offensively, um, you know, game one was pretty unusual, and I think it showed 
how well Herman did pitch because normally Mets hitters work pitchers deep in counts, work them deep into the game where they where they you know they go five innings, they go four innings, and their their pitch counts through the roof, and they're out of the game in the fifth or the sixth. Getting to that bullpen early, they didn't do that on Monday. They really let you know Herman kind of cruise. At he least had, he had thirty eight pitchers to four innings. Yeah, you know through the first four he was cruising, and then even I mean he didn't work deep into the game. I think but it was that was six more of the game. Third, he's, but, you know, like choice yeah, to lead. Yeah. Like he had the pitch count. Yes. He, if you're going to 100 pitches, which he's probably not in a 100 pitch pitcher, he could have went, you know, yeah. eight, nine innings in that sense with how quickly he was kind of managing the Mets' contact. Yeah, so, you know, Herman definitely could have worked deeper into the game. And then Montas, you know, last night, it was a little bit different. You know, he definitely, you know, uh, gave the Mets obviously, you know, put, put the ball in play a little bit more, worked counts a little bit more. The pitch count was a little bit higher, you know, in, in game two yesterday. But it was runners in scoring position for the Mets, which is really what, what got to them. Uh, they were two for 13 with runners in scoring position. They left 10 guys on base, um, you know, in, in game two. And there were so many opportunities throughout the night where it felt like that could have been the chance for the Mets to tie the game. That could have been the chance for the Mets to, you know, eventually go ahead. Um, you know, you go back to the fifth inning where Joey Cora decides to send Beatty and he's thrown out at the plate by Cabrera. A really great throw by him. But, you know, maybe not a great send. Obviously, you know, Marte got a single, get one run. Yeah, but... let's talk about that send because we had a good discussion in the press box about yeah. it. There's a few ways where you look at it where when you factor in, as well, Cabrera, he played three games in the minor leagues in right field. So this is not a natural right fielder. Yeah. But I... It's not Aaron Judge out there. No. Yeah. And as we've seen with his time with the Yankees, though, he's been a spectacular fielder. He's now made highlight plays in right. He robbed a homer the other day. At third, he made like a jeter in the hole play, you know, like throwing across his body from shortstop. So he's done a lot. Um, but, yeah, a good throw by him. I think just a good throw gets him. Like he didn't need to make an absolutely amazing throw. But the send was interesting. I had some Mets fans uh Text me. They thought it showed the team was desperate in a yeah. way. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's like a larger picture thing, maybe just a bad send there. But I think that kept the Yankees like good spirits up because I kept in the series waiting for the ball to drop. And you brought up all those opportunities. It's like, all right, like the Mets have first and second now. Here's where the ball drops. Here's yeah. where the bullpen blows it. Then it was a double play, you know, and then you get out of it with the runner on third and two outs. There are a lot of instances in that game where you're just waiting, and even in the ninth, which we can get to in a bit, where you're just waiting and waiting. Mets are fighting, but they're not quite coming through, and I think that was kind of the theme of the series. Yeah, and I could definitely agree with the point that, you know, obviously, with the way that the offense had been playing in the first in, in both of these games, there is a little bit more sense of urgency to send the runner there than they would, you know, if the offense was coming through with runners in scoring position and it was a higher scoring game. You know, maybe you hold them there and, and, and trust the offense. So that definitely could be part of it. Core is kind of aggressive in general, I would say, sending runners throughout the year. So it wasn't a shock. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't the best move, and obviously, you know, we probably wouldn't be talking about it if if he was safe. You know, you don't really, you know, it's just because he's out that you have this conversation. But, you know, like you mentioned, there were so many opportunities for the Mets all night long. Like I mentioned, runners in scoring position. There was also some, you know, I hate to, you know, make excuses, but there were some unlucky plays throughout the night in terms of the Mets just hitting the ball really hard and hitting it right at, you know, anybody in the field, whether it be Nimmo had a couple at bats where a line drive right at DJ, um, you know, with runners with runners on, on base. One out. Yes, yeah. exactly. You know, and then you have Nimmo also flying out to deep right center, which I think is a home run and you yeah, know we talked about probably a decent amount of ballparks. Ball you know, obviously that's like one of the deeper parts of Yankee Stadium. You know, you have Marte hitting the ball hard to right field, you know, with runners in scoring position. McNeil did so as well in the eighth inning. So a bunch of opportunities. They all came with runners in scoring position where the Mets were hitting the ball hard at times. It was just, you know, going right at 
whoever was in the field for the New York Yankees at the time. And, you know, you got to give credit to the Yankee pitching, of course. I think Clark Schmidt deserves, you know, a ton of credit for, you know, working over three innings. And obviously that ninth inning could have gone a much different way with, you know, he was bailed out by Wandy Peralta. But overall, just a really good outing from Schmidt. Yeah, it's unfortunate he couldn't finish it off because that yeah. was his game out of the bullpen. I was talking to you midway through the game where this is a huge question mark with who's available right now, who you trust in a high leverage situation. It wasn't a role this Chapman. Aaron Boone talked about that after the game, how he's not right now a high leverage reliever. So it really was Clark Schmidt to go three innings, not give up a run in, in the ninth with two outs, two strikes. He couldn't seem to finish it off. But, you know, the Yankees were able to go to Peralta. He was able to get Francisco Lindor to, I believe, was it a fly out? Yeah, to fly out. Field? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was, I think, big time pitching from him. But Clark Schmidt, to give the Yankees a boost going to the soft day, Clark Schmidt, he's a first-round pick. He's a guy with like a 2-2 ERA in the majors this year, but he's in the minors for the last two months. There's He's not a minor league pitcher. Yeah. We saw that last night on display yet again. He's someone, and it looks like with the Yankees, no Mike King, no Chad Green, Clay Holmes hurt. You know, there's a lot of Scott Efros hurt. There's a lot of question marks, so if he can be one of those like middle relievers that can go two innings at any time, that's going to be huge for them down the stretch. I don't know about his future as a starter, but in that sense, it looks like he's comfortable in this role as we saw yesterday. So for him to pitch as well as he did, give the Yankees a boost, save the bullpen was big for this team. Yeah, and I think, you know, the ability of Schmidt to work more than, you know, an inning or two, you know, I think is really valuable to have an arm that, you know, can be a starter, but can go to that bullpen and find some success and find some opportunities in the postseason because that is something that, um, definitely the Mets have been searching for, looking for, and have struggled with um, in terms of, you know, later in the game, going to that arm. They go to Joely Rodriguez in the seventh inning. Um, just not a great decision. I mean, I'm just going to be totally honest. Not a great decision from Buck. It's a tie game. Rodriguez is not one of your main guys. I would have liked to see Lugo get a second inning there, and then maybe you go to Adovino in the eighth, and then, you know, maybe, obviously, who knows what the score, but maybe give Diaz a ninth if, if they're winning. Um, but even if they're tied, you know, so... Overall, I think um, going to Joely shows that the biggest, uh, you know, weakness for this Mets team, and it's that that arm outside of Edwin Diaz after the starters out of the game um, is a big concern. It's a huge concern because there are moments in the game in the sixth inning, in the seventh inning, even in the eighth inning. That might be the biggest spot of the game. We've seen, you know, managers use closers differently now when you, you know, bring a bring a closer in in the seventh inning or the eighth inning when it's the biggest point of the game with the top of the order or whatever it may be. Um, you know, and that wasn't necessarily the case with Joelle. It was, it was the bottom of the order. It was too. the bottom of the order, but it's it's just like I think it shows the the lack of arms that the Mets have out there that you can trust in these big time spots because this is as close to a playoff atmosphere as you're going to get in the regular season sellout crowd 49,000 49,000 biggest crowd of the year so it's definitely you know a playoff atmosphere and you're going to Joely Rodriguez in the seventh inning I think that proves a problem in the Mets bullpen which is an overarching theme I think of the season uh, something they didn't address at the trade deadline um, and I think it's something that you know may hurt them you know down the stretch into September and into October especially when they're you know now fighting off the Braves who are just two games behind him that's always been the story I think in the second half it's like man I wish we had that extra reliever yeah for the Mets and that's the one thing where I think you can give them criticism for at the deadline Obviously, looking back on it, they had a very strong yes. deadline. But yeah. that arm, as you talk about, Joel Lee Rodriguez, he was a Yankee last year, so I saw him a good amount. He's not a high-leverage reliever. He can eat up innings, and if it's a blowout, he's a good guy to put in the game, good against lefties, everything like that. 
But that's not a spot for him. And you see he gives up a base hit to start it off to Cabrera, who's a 130 hitter yeah. in like 10 games. Yeah. And then kind of from there, it snowballs, right? There's a bunt. and then The bunt play probably should have went to second base, probably had an out there, yep, didn't. And, you then, know. and then, you know, a little bad luck where it's a, a pop fly yeah. into maybe the one – area where three the first baseman the second baseman and the right fielder couldn't get to yeah it's like the worst just, it's the worst spot to you know it's the best spot for the yankees yes. worst spot for the mets Trevino, to have that 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 pop-up pinch you know. hitting for higashioka the one spot and you know alonzo did get under it but his body was twisting it's a tough, tough play it's a tough him, play for first baseman because yeah. he's backpedaling they gave know. him a hit it's not really his ball it's kind of you know yeah so that that is definitely some bad luck that he ran into but at the same time you would have a reliever if they went out and got one that you wouldn't have to worry about and wouldn't have to make those kind of excuses for if the Mets did attack that in the deadline. And, you know, the second half, they've obviously been relatively hot. It's unfortunate for them that the Braves are on their tail winning every single night. But that could be an area where you look at if you're playing the San Diego Padres in a wild card series in a few months here where that's kind of what led to them losing this division. Yeah, and I want to look at you know some of the bigger picture things here from this series, some big takeaways. Obviously, it's only two games, but you can I feel like you can take a lot away from it from both sides. We talked about the Mets and those bullpen issues. I'm not worried necessarily about the lineup. You know, I think they have some injuries. Guillaume being out of the lineup, I think, is big, and Escobar even as well. Um, you know, because you have Beatty in there, who's really not quite ready, I think, for the big leagues at this point. So there's some holes in the lineup, but I think those will be you know filled once you know you get guys back from injury going forward for the Mets lineup but on the Yankees side of things I think there are some you know very positive takeaways where for a minute there the sky was falling uh in the Bronx with how they were playing uh you even started to think about or at least I did the division a little bit which you haven't thought about in forever you know literally ever yeah so it's like you know you even start to think about that I think is showing you know uh, the way that the Yankees were playing recently, but some really positive signs from them, some positive signs from Judge getting back in the home run column both Monday and Tuesday, and Benintendi as well That's starting the to get hot. For me. Yeah, yeah, I think those two guys you can point to in the lineup as as huge, you know, positives for the Yankees. When they traded for Andrew Benintendi, he was DJ. Um, sorry, Aaron Boone talked about him as a second DJ LeMahieu, and then he fell off. He literally he was hitting like 190 going into the last game versus the Blue Jays, hit a big home run in the seventh inning there. And then versus the Mets, he had like every huge hit outside of Aaron Judge with two outs, with one out, putting the ball in play. What they traded for him to do, he did that in this series, and it was definitely some struggles early on. But that, to me, was the biggest takeaway is if this guy can be the all-star they traded for him, that was the one thing that everyone criticized in the lineup with Joey Gallo. It's This is a black hole. This isn't guaranteed strikeout. This is a guy who doesn't put the ball in play. That's exactly what the back of the baseball card shows for Andrew Benatendi in his career. So for him to get back to that this series, definitely on the hot side right now. He's six for his last 10 in the last three games. Has a homer. All those hits are big as well. And another thing, too, you know, with Benintendi is that he's had, you know, plenty of playoff experience yes. with Boston. You know, he's And he's been in a big market. He's, he, he's not... He's not a guy that's, you know, like, obviously he came over from Kansas City, but that doesn't tell his story. five years from Boston. Yeah, exactly. So he's been in a big market before. He's been in a playoff push before plenty of times. So he understands, I think, the pressure that comes with New York. He understands all of that, and I think he's really starting to settle in, figure things out, and really get comfortable. Yeah, it'll it'll be huge, too. If he he can continue this heading into the West Coast trip, the other positive thing, you get John Carlos Sand back. Yeah. I I don't want to say they survived without him because the second half – has been a mess overall, but especially the last few games, definitely in this series, they survived without John Carlos Stanton. That's been a huge, huge loss that yeah. they've really missed. 
since the All Star break. It's funny he had a home run in the All Star game and hasn't played a game. He's played yeah. a game since. Crazy. Um, but but to get him back for this West Coast trip, I think it adds the momentum that this team has built over the last few games. Yeah, it's definitely huge. And you know, I you know I want to bring up before we you know kind of wrap things up is of course Aaron Judge. Back on back on pace. Yeah, I believe, now he's right? on pace for to break it again. So he's back on pace. It's on and off, and obviously he had you know how many games did he go without a homer? I mean, I it, think was it was nine. Yeah, so that, that that's a that seems like a lot for him, just because of obviously how amazing that he's been playing. You know, and I I think I mentioned to you too. It's 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 a testament to Maris and how difficult that is to do to in baseball to stay consistent throughout the year and just homer. You know, you know every seems like every other game or yep. you know. That's really, really impressive in a sport like baseball where you're going to have highs and lows, ups and downs, and it seems like Judge is kind of getting some confidence back and getting more on the right track. Yeah, there was never like a worry, and yeah. obviously the record is something we've looked at for a long time now, and he has kept pace. This was the first time he wasn't on pace in about a month and a half, so that is credit to him, and it does show how hard it is to do it. I feel like everyone's rooting for him to do it, and for Maris it was the opposite because Babe Ruth was the golden boy, but I think we're kind of past that where everyone wants Aaron Judge to do this, at least in Yankee land. I don't know outside of that, but yeah, for him to get back now on pace, these home runs are big too. You know, one off Max Scherzer, the only home run all season hit on Max Scherzer's fastball by righty. Wow. The only I didn't one know all that. season. And I think, yeah, and Scherzer actually spoke about that post game. He mentioned how they asked him about that pitch, and he said it was, you know, it was a pretty good pitch. Wasn't a horrible. That it, is it a was, pitch the judge can flick. Yeah, out it was. Right, it was but. obviously middle, but it was low. It was at his knees. It was at the bottom of the zone. It was a pretty good pitch uh, that Scherzer threw. And Judge, you know, that's what he said is, you know, Judge is a good hitter, and he found a way to hit it out of the ballpark. And I think that stat is a testament to how dominant Max Scherzer is yeah. and how dominant Aaron Judge is. Yeah, the fact it's a that great that's matchup. The first time that that's happened. It's an unbelievable matchup. You know, I was, you know, blessed to go to both games. You know, really, just really awesome experience to cover this subway series and you know the first set of the subway series was great as well being at yankee stadium was really cool you know you know we at me as a mets reporter it's the only time i get to go to a visitor's ballpark which is super cool to see yankee stadium and it was a sellout you know back-to-back nights forty-nine thousand uh last night so a playoff atmosphere ryan just an unbelievable environment to be a part of yeah it means a lot to the to the city of new york to the fan bases you could tell and we joked about it. No one on either side can say they don't care about the other yes. one. Like when you sell everyone out like cares. that, everyone cares. And the back and forths all night. You give Mets fans credit. They definitely traveled yeah. last night. A lot of let's go Mets chance. They yeah. were met by a lot of booze. It kind of seemed whoever was in the lead that was where the Louder. crowd was going. Yeah. And Aaron Boone kind of talked about that after the game, and I think we'll play this sound. What that means because the Yankees all year they're not used to playing games where there's a real strong presence at home for the other team. On the road, they even experience it because of how they travel. So it was a different atmosphere. That's something Aaron Boone did talk about after the game with how special the Subway Series is. The environment felt so alive and electric, even by Subway Series standards, you know, um, which are always that way. But, but this felt, you know, for a regular season game, it felt a little more alive and bigger. So that's Aaron Boone. Obviously, we you know feel that the Subway Series is very special. Anyone that says it isn't 
is is lying uh, because this matters a lot to both fans. Not we just to cover these games. Of course, of course, I, I really wanted to be at these games, you know, and I think uh, it matters a ton to the fans. It matters a lot to the players as well. I think, um, you know, probably more to the fans, but it still matters to the players. These are still important games, and with the Mets, you know, uh, and the Braves right behind them, every single game matters, you know, night in, night out. So it will be an interesting stretch going forward for the Mets who head out. Uh, they'll be home against Colorado, which is a you know much needed. Uh, you know, break for them, I guess, from a difficult uh, road trip here. They'll be back at home. They'll be playing a Rockies team who's not very good. Um, And they have a pretty easy schedule in September. And and who do the Yankees have? Uh, Right now they have the A's and then the Angels on their West Coast. So that's another, you know, I think a a good opportunity for for the Yankees to keep that momentum rolling and, you know, uh, start rattling off some wins again as they they push towards October. But I think that's going to do it for our Subway Series recap here. Sam Davis and Ryan Gregware. Nosebleeds is a production of WFUB. Sports. Mm-hmm.